This is The Back Pass, a podcast for sports nerds by sports nerds. Welcome to The Back Pass. On today's episode, we have part two of the rise of franchise cricket. Join us to discuss as we delve further on into T20 cricket and the rise of franchise cricket. Hello and welcome to The Back Pass. I'm your host, Ali Bowala, and today we continue with part two of our rise of franchise cricket. I'm joined by Kevin and Shivang to continue talking cricket and continue on from where we left it, guys. We were talking about where where we kind of started with cricket, you know, where we started with the uh, col- where the colonial beginnings of cricket and how it spread across the world and the importance it played to the countries and the many different regions about having to go back to England and play against England or dominate in that sense and then continue to dominate the game. And also the growth as we saw test cricket starting to dwindle and more excitement come in with, you know, the the flash of the ODIs and saw which saw a lot of colour, which saw World Cups, which saw tournaments come in as we saw the excitement begin. And then ODIs were still exciting, right? Like o- ODIs were still continuing to be exciting. Did they need to get more exciting, Kevin? Uh, I think so. We've spoken about this in previous podcasts, but ODI, the format had started to stagnate a little bit with uh, Australian dominance. And I think, you know, it's, it's, one of, it's one of these formats where it's limited in scope and therefore it can be solved. And that's what we're seeing now in modern on ODI cricket. It's very much solved. There's a, there's a pattern that you can use to win. Um, if you follow that pattern, you're most likely, you're, you know, you're most likely to win and it just becomes somewhat of a, uh, you know, somewhat of just an exercise of cricket as opposed to a real competition, especially in those middle overs. Are the overs nobody watches 15 to 35? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> So it would you saying that it would be similar if we just watch Man City dominate? We're like, okay, this is getting boring. Let's just change football. Let's make it forty minutes. Maybe change some rules <laughs> where players aren't allowed in certain areas. Is that is that what's kind of roughly what would it kind well, of happen? I, mean, I think any Man City game is good at the very beginning, at the very and at the very end. So it actually follows with ODI cricket pretty well. <laughs> And this is how they found right, the Super so, League without Man City. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is probably going on Arsene's like next top ideas list <laughs> um, for for how to how to rejig football. But what were the inklings, kind of Shivank? What what kind of laid the seed for this potential T Twenty format? Yeah, so. It's, it's kind of like what Kevin said, right? Um, the Australian team was dominating the scene too much. Um, and so cricket in itself was losing a bit of its shine. And then you either have a game that lasts five days or you have a game that lasts eight hours. So there was an, there was an issue with audience retention as well. And generally, if you 
think as a fan and not as a cricket nerd, what are you most interested in? Big hits, you know, big sixes, big pound, or, or a lot of wickets or action in the field. And, you know, if you add, if you take all of that, if you condense the format so everybody has no choice but to hit, you you sprinkle in a few cheerleaders or something, you make the whole, whole thing more <laughs> engaging by miking up the plays on the pitch and, you know, just making it a fun yeah. atmosphere. That was sort of like the recipe that they followed. Um, um, interestingly, actually, they first trialed the T20 format in the women's game a year before they actually tried it in the domestic version, uh, the domestic form of the game, and then they brought it to men's cricket. Which shows how much it was not considered uh, a pure form of cricket, you know, mm. quotation marks on the pure, um, how it was looked down upon when we first kind of got that format. And T20 wasn't the first of its kind of shrunken format for one day. There was a lot of different formats tried, a lot of different rules. There were some different ones in New Zealand. Martin Crow Super 12. Two innings. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, they had the Super Max, which was like they had a max scoring zone. You scored double if you hit straight. Um, and then there was even playing two innings in a in a ODI kind of condensed format. So you still bat fifty overs, but you play two innings of twenty five. So both teams play two innings of twenty five. But T Twenty seemed to find its way through that. And so originally, um, county county cricket got its demo um we got to see it through the english um english county cricket and then we got to see the women play it and you know work through that first first t20 international which is great for the women's game because t20 actually has been fantastic for the women's Mm. game right it's actually the most popular format in the women's game yeah 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 it's not um it's not so obvious when you look at it just on paper but T20 has a couple of winning factors that I think uh, has made it so successful. But one of the biggest winning factors as a as a father with a young child, it's short enough that you can take a child, you know, between the ages of three or <laughs> you know, under the ages of seven to a game to watch cricket and you know you're going to be able to get into that sweet spot of between nap and um, bedtime. <laughs> So, and that, yeah. that's, that's, you know, from a demographic perspective, that's one of the biggest issues with, I guess, one day cricket. Yeah. Yes, it's a short form, but it's still a day of cricket. Um, so it yeah. really makes it difficult for the young kids to get involved live. It's a commitment. Mind you, even when the thing started, it didn't actually have all the players on board. Like if you go back to the first men's T20 that was played between Australia and New Zealand all the way back in 2005, and before anybody makes a joke, yes, I was born. I wasn't a teenager, but I was born. (laughs) Yeah, um, there's reports from the game that neither team, Australia or New Zealand, took it seriously. And Mm. Um, Panta High scored in the game and after the game when they had the post-match interview he said look it feels okay I'm not too sold on it I don't think the novelty will stick on for a long time yeah it, w- it was a glorified exhibition match it was it was something similar to you know you see Rafael Nadal and Federer get on the court play some doubles and you know and then they put put a mic on and they're kind of joking around and you know talking to the talking to the crowd and talking to the commentators while playing you know that's the kind of feel it had, and no one was really taking it seriously. 
I think, except for England. And it kind of showed in the, in the first, first few years of T20. And obviously the West Indies really took to it as well. Like they, they found it perfect for their abilities and what they could kind of maximize themselves in. And they, they had just that great balance of, you know, power hitting with everyone who could bowl, who could also throw the ball, you know, bowl a little bit. And it was, a, it was a fantastic mix for them. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely, it's definitely reminds me of uh, other sporting events like, um, the pro bowl in, in American football, where it was, it's, yep. you know, it's not really competition. It's more like just players getting out and, you know, to showcase, um, you know, get, get, get more crowd interaction, that kind of stuff, as opposed to, yeah. you know, a real competition. And I, I think, I think it was Glenn McGrath who jokingly did a Trevor Chapel underarm and Billy Bowden showed him a red card. Like that, that's the sort of atmosphere that you had in, in T20 cricket. Yeah. So, you know, at, at the very start. Um, but the, yeah. one of the, one, another reason why it was so successful was because of the fact that and this is true in the women's game, especially true in the women's game. The the talent level required to play T Twenty quick cricket is actually at a lower level than than what it is for Test or One Day games because you can have an average of thirty, and if you have a strike rate of say one hundred, one hundred and fifty, you're a pretty good you know T Twenty batsman. Yeah, Top and player. from a bowling perspective, it. Yes, you have to be a good bowler, and you have to, you know, um, you know, have to have good line, good length. But you don't have to have it for as long as McGrath did. Like, you know, it's it's not like a hyper consistent line. Consistency yeah. for ten overs. Yeah, exactly. Or, or be that threatening with a ball like Dale Stane. Yeah, you just have to be uh, like a defense. You can you be a defensive bowler and do a great job in T Twenty, right? It'll get you wickets yeah. as well because suddenly batsmen are trying to get out to you. Yeah. <laughs> They can't hack the bowling lines. Yeah. And case in point, in an ODI, a bowling average of, oh, sorry, not average, but a bowling economy of four and a half to five is considered pretty good these days. Whereas four and a half to five is exceptional in T20. Seven to eight is what seems to be acceptable. Yeah. So obviously the threshold for a par is much higher. And I think you hit the nail on the head earlier, Kevin. And it, it seems like T20 was also partially born out of just marketability and marketing. And basically, it's like, how do we send, how do we package the sport so that we can package it? We can package it a lot more, fill it with a bunch of ads. You could watch the IPL. If you ever watch the IPL, there's a ton of ads. And then just be able to ship a ton of games within a day, even. Right, yeah. Shabak? Yep. And the other thing is um, the the toll on the human body is much lower in T20 cricket. So all your big stars, they could continue playing franchise cricket for a long time or play matches in quick succession. Mm. So, you know, you could have Sachin Tendulkar playing six weeks of T20 cricket nonstop or after a day's rest, obviously, whereas you couldn't yeah. do it in either format. And if Sachin's yeah. playing, all of India's watching. And if you only have four yeah. hours of ad slots, well, guess what happens to the, <laughs> to the price per second? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's, 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 a, that's a great point, Shivan, because obviously with the ODI, you're, fi- you're fielding for 50 overs. So that's 50 overs out on your feet. 
uh, about three and a half hours running around, chasing a ball, moving positions every over. For test cricket, you could you could be there for eight hours in the field, standing and standing there, going back and forth, standing still, running around. So it definitely does take some effort, and you know, batting. And if you if you had to bat for like two hours, mm. that's that's a that's a toll as well on on a lot of your lot of your joints and arms. And T twenty two hours, the game's done. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you're never going to get to bat that long, unless your name is Kale Rahul. <laughs> <laughs> That's a that's a defensive strategy, KL Rahul. <laughs> well, KL Rahul is very. What's the right word? He's very prudent with his time at the crease, within the fact that he doesn't like spending a lot of time there. He's it's it's spends a few balls and then he's kind of like, all right, I'm out of here. I'll see yeah, you guys later. It, it's it's in the best interest of the bowling team to keep him at the crease. It's like this weird game where the longer he's there, the better it is for the bowling team. Yeah, it's it's that weird um, weird thing that happened in football once, where both teams were trying to score own goals and trying to prevent the other team <laughs> ah, from yes. scoring their own goal. Yes. They're like, you know, the bowlers try to ball super safe, and they're like, "Please don't get out! Please don't get out! Please don't, yeah. please don't get out!" And then when he does get out, the team obviously wins afterwards, which is like a reverse talisman effect. <laughs> um, I, I don't. Yeah, it's, it's very unique. You, you almost have to have him in the team just because you know that if he if he gets out for like three or four runs, you probably win the game. Yeah, you get him out early enough. Oh well, yeah. Um, and then you have you have also obviously the big big kick on for for T Twenty. What really brought it, you know, started started the big massive money printing machine was the IPL. I think it was the first of its kind mm-hmm. in that kind of scale and that kind of marketing, you know, all the strategic timeouts just so they could fit more ads. Minutes of ads yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even the strategic um, timeouts and ad. <laughs> yeah, it is. It, is, it, it is exists exactly purely for that. Like, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Like, Hey guys, just don't play cricket for, for a couple of minutes so we can have an ad yeah. break, please. Um, and you know, like it was clearly and, it, and it's successful and it was successful. And, it wasn't even the first one, right? BCCI yeah. like or got beat, got beat to the punch, but then they just did what, what you know, BCCI do, and they banished <laughs> and banned everyone else in the in the ICL. Something that actually worked in the BCCI's favor was the momentum that winning the 2017-20 World Cup brought along. So after mm. India won the 2007 World Cup, there was a lot of interest in the format now. And so the timing just worked out. And, and, uh, it's a bit unfortunate with what happened with the ICL. You didn't have the breakaway league and some of the stars going that way. But, I mean, the APL now is what it is. Yeah, I, I think it's... I don't know if you've ever played Mario Kart before, but you know how there's those um, uh, speed-up strips, the the booster mm-hmm. booster lines? <laughs> It's. It was yes that, that that World Cup that plus the fact that the um, Indian middle class had a huge growth and had gotten to the point where they had disposable income, which meant that that there was money to be had in these kinds of short format games. Now there's an audience for it, and you have a tournament. They have the and you have the World Cup. It becomes like this triple accelerator that once you start getting in plays from international, you know, international teams, players like um, 
if I remember, Shane Warne was a part of the the Rajasthan Royals. Yeah. Once you get names like yep. that involved, it starts to like really accelerate, and it just sort of took off I from there. Think. Shane Warne, Glenn McGrath, Simon's, uh, oh, yeah, Simon's Adam big, Simon's, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Gilly Ponting, Ponting played, played well. it. Play? I think Ponting played. Dravid, yeah. which was it's, uh, Dravid played for yeah. Rajasthan. Uh, yeah, was played it one was year? Dravid Rajasthan or Bangalore? I thought it was. Bangalore, yeah. sorry, yeah, because he was the the first season had the concept of star player, yeah, yeah, players that didn't add towards your um, yeah. transfer pool, and you just paid them thirty percent. And of course, you had such a, of course, you had such a, you know, yeah. It, it's it, and I, I love I love the Mario Kart analogy <laughs> though, Kevin. It was like that speed up strip, but the BCCI and the IPL were also holding a turtle <laughs> shell. Which they threw at the ICL, <laughs> kind of spent them for a spin, and it just zoomed right past. Yeah, so that seemed to kind of really, really work. That was a brilliant analogy. Uh, <laughs> so, going forward, now that we've seen I, I, IPL kind of and the T Twenty format dominate so much, it's kind of thrown ODI for a spin, right? Like, what do we do with 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 our poster child of yesteryear? Well, yeah. Well, the ODI side of it um, is it's it's a bit of collateral damage, as you as you mentioned. Some of it is self inflicted as well, right? Like, yes, there is the collateral damage of having a shorter format, but then if you gear the game far too much towards the batsman, like you know, the ball doesn't reverse swing anymore, <laughs> or the fielding restrictions only exist for ten overs instead of fifteen. Yeah, you, it's basically a self inflicted into the game yeah you're right they did it kind of did happen in that way and it just you know they brought in all the rules to make the first 15 overs and the last 15 20 overs exciting and they just they just didn't forgot about the middle overs and you know kind of doing anything with that so it just became the most boring thing where you're like i'm gonna go do something else i'll come back and see if anything's really changed because no one really tries to get a wicket or try to hit a boundary. Exactly, that time. all teams cared cared about in that time was rotating strike and making sure you don't lose wickets. So that by the time you get to over thirty five, you have five or six wickets in hand, and then you can just blast it from there. So there was yeah. no yeah appetite for whatever happened between overs fifteen and thirty five. Exactly, exactly, which then puts an interesting spin on what's going to happen with the ODI World Cup coming up and if it will live up to some of the excitement from the T20 World Cup as well later in the year. And this has also brought out some of the globalization. We're seeing, obviously, yesteryear before franchise cricket, we didn't see, you would never see Glenn McGrath, um, you know, coaching or um, sitting down and bowling in a, in a bowling lineup with Indian young fast bowlers or pace bowlers, right? You like imagine having that kind of experience within the team or uh, batting, sitting down next to punter for for young Indians or you know Kiwis and say say a, a Kiwi or um, you know Kiwi and an Englishman sitting in the same same dressing room and opening the batting together, you know, um, watching Brendan McCollum come in and smash all those all those runs that he did. And the way he does it, where he approaches the game, and having all those different takes that came from outside, and and now we have this kind of, kind of you know like the traveling herd 
<laughs> this group of this group of T20 players who travel around the world playing in the different T20 leagues, and that is all they do through the, the year. Wild, they just follow the yeah, sun. The wild thornberries of um, international cricket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, and the biggest, I think, one of the biggest benefactors is coaching. I think there's globally, it's it's allowed coaches to try a whole, you know, different number of weird and interesting ways of setting up batting lineups, setting up bowling lineups. You now see it's more common, or at least it's a little bit less um, uh, unique to see, you know, for instance. A test match open with two spin bowlers on the right pitch. Like you know, coaches are willing to do that, or teams are willing to to make that mm-hmm. make that. You know what is typically considered traditional cricket. Make adjustments to it and try new things, which is which is great for the game. It also means that you have, and I think baseball is probably a great example of this. A new approach to old ways. Maybe variations of old ways. Like I think probably teams have tried baseball, but never really had the lineup to be able to do it or the the the, the skill, skill exactly. The yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's actually brought about a lot of confidence in the players as well. Um, that translates really nicely into Test cricket. Um, mm. No longer is a hundred run chase and ten overs considered impossible in Test cricket. Like yep. players have done it. Yeah. And and I, I guess a flip flip side looking at Test cricket, you know, back in the day, a team going at three and a half to four runs and over in Test cricket was like, wow, they're going they're quick, going fast, yeah. Yeah. they're going through this fast, like they're they're being aggressive here, where that's kind of the norm now. Almost Test cricket is is faster because of IPL, so there's a bit more excitement in Test cricket, perhaps, you know, with. With the with all these players now also playing IPL, they're a bit more confident in backing themselves to hit a shot or to go after the ball a bit more. Yeah, it, yeah. it's it's you know led to some really spectacular batting collapses as well. <laughs> as so it's, well, it's yes. a bit of a mixed bag, yes. but at the same time, you have the reverse sweep <laughs> gate as well. <laughs> you know what's weird about that? Kerry Kerry did that for like three games consecutively afterwards. It's like he never got the memo that this is not a good idea to try. He did it in the World Test Championship final. He's done it a couple of times in the Ashes. He's got the memory of a goldfish. Like, you know, they're supposed to use it as a good thing where you're like, you know, you can just keep trying it. But in this case, it's like, no, dude, just remember. Well, I mean, that's a... Just remember what happened. Having short-term memory is like considered a good thing in a lot of sports um, so that you can forget when you... When you do something, yeah, make a mistake or embarrass yourself or something yeah. like that. But I'm not sure in this case. Too far. Yeah. <laughs> well, he just made a mistake and embarrassed himself. So he's like, ah, forget about it. I'll try it again next time. Johnny Bester <laughs> comes to me. Yeah. Well, he didn't He didn't make the same. Oh, he kind of did. He kind of dropped he a few catches. Did. Yeah. Kind of did. And then, so then we have like this growing, you know, growing IPL and BBL are obviously very popular. Uh, tournaments around the world watched globally as well there is there was a champions league for a little bit with t20 champions league where all the teams from different parts of the world came together and played against each other but there were more problems with that because the teams were sharing players essentially so um ipl sucked all the good players 
for for their for their for that tournament and which meant all the other teams were greatly weakened and we really didn't get you know any kind of proper contest and we just saw IPL teams win most of the time but there isn't that you know how do we foster that same rivalry and tribalism that does exist in say in you know England Australia or in India Australia at that franchise level yeah i think it's it's probably ipl's biggest or even t20 cricket's biggest uh flaw at the moment it's what's probably going to lead to a little bit of uh a downswing in t20 watching you know viewership and um money through the gate but not enough to affect it not enough to affect it in the long term if they can get this stuff right like there is there is some I guess genuine dislike for teams like CSK, for instance, <laughs> uh, for obvious reasons. But there's nothing like the hatred that you have between Man City and Man U, or you know, Tottenham, and everybody else. So it's 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 a bit like, and and I think it's also it's because at the very start they're trying to manufacture it with the celebrities getting involved yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And it just didn't feel real enough. There was not enough situations for there to be angst. I, I guess what we need is like some massive refereeing blunders, which I don't think will happen nowadays with all the sporting technologies that they use and stuff like that. Fair enough. Um, but like the, the closest that I can think of recently is that the part situation where he ran on the field, had a conversation with the umpire. I don't think, you know, I, I think it's going to take a while to generate that kind of hatred and rivalry. I mean, give it a couple more years of Virat Kohli and Naveen Ulha <laughs> or Gautam Gambhir. You you might yeah. start you might start to see the the first ever cricketing rivalry like Lucknow versus Bangalore. Is there also like Shivanka, I was gonna ask you this, is that also like the fact that the that the teams change? quite dramatically or quite a big chunk of the teams change every two to three years yeah. kind of preventing that as well because it, it kind of like oh i'll be playing with them like next year so i'm not gonna really get under his yeah. skin basically everybody's friends with everybody now um back in the day before ipl or bbl the biggest source of contention was you genuinely hated the opposition player like as an Indian fan, you hated the guts of the Aussie team back in the day. They were good, but boy, you hated oh. them. You hardly you know, hate any... Indian-Pakistan rivalry Yeah, as well. exactly. But if Davy Warner's like a TikTok sensation in Hyderabad because of how long he spent there, how, how do you hate him in the Australian team? <laughs> so it's watering down international tribalism as well. I sure feel that way. I mean, India-Pakistan uh, stays because um, there's no franchise cricket that happens between them or the players. So that rivalry stays there. On. You want to know what the easiest way to solve um, this problem? Just merge the Pakistan Super League with IPL and then you'll have rivalries instantaneously. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that is would, how you create would, tribalism. Yes. Yeah, that would definitely cause a lot mm. of chaos. I mean, Brett Lee has a hit single in India, yeah. Yeah. right? Like he actually sang and he, yeah. he's got a hit single. Um, and that kind of waters down some, some more 
Right. I mean, he's respected, but then it's also like he's loved by the Indian audience. And yeah, kind of it's like, ah, oh, I love watching him play and just don't like him playing against my team. What if you made it made an Asian Champions League of franchise cricket? Mm. I, I think you, you'd have to have you'd have to have some commitment, long term commitment from international players in whatever league that they're playing in. I think there's a lot of West Indian players in the Pakistan league and the and there's some in the Bangladesh yep. league. So mm. if you could figure out a way to manage that, then you could probably do it. But I, I also think yeah. that the IPLs, like the, it's, it's another factor with the IPL, even if we just, if we did like a Pakistan Super League joined with the IPL and you know had that kind of rivalry, it'd be pretty one-sided pretty quickly because most of the yeah. IPL team, it's yeah, the IPL. it's the IPL. Like the Indian, Indian cricket market, the talent pool is just too significant and the IPL reduces yeah. the, the difficulty in the entry level into, into cricket. Yeah. And th- this is the other, other other part of it as well. Like it's obviously improved. We're now seeing a larger chunk of talent having to come through because they now have to play in the IPL and win these important matches and play these big games, which even though they were doing it at Ranji level, maybe, um, wasn't kind of the same pressure with the TV and the crowds and, you know, in that same atmosphere against internationals, say, against the likes of David Warner, against the likes of A.B. de Villiers and, you know, that kind of players of that kind of ilk and having to perform against them. Is that improving homegrown talent? Is that hurting homegrown talent, the fact that there's that many overseas players that you, you only have, you know, three or four players in the team that can really break through or really play consistently? I think it makes the player, the upcoming generation, a lot more fearless. Like if you're already used to facing Mitchell Stark bowling in swingers at the death as a 19 year old playing T20 cricket, there's not much more in in front of a packed house with 60,000 people cheering one way or another. There isn't a lot more pressure situations that you can be exposed to outside of that. Mm. Yeah, I'd agree. Uh, I'd probably also say that while the talent is getting um, polished to a high level, the BCCI is still gatekeepers. So it, it's not actually allowing for the talent to come through at the level that at the right pace that it should. So we're seeing delays in pretty talented cricketers going, um, getting to the international team. There's a bit of a log jam there because they're still thinking in this yep. three format pick the best player across all three, not so much looking at specialists. Um, whereas yeah. you can see this with other countries like England and Australia starting to do this as well, where there's specialist T20 players, specialist test cricketers and specialist one days. Yeah. They almost have com- like different squads and yeah. captains, uh, very different squads. Only only a couple of players actually go across different uh, the different formats. Mm. So unless if that changes, I don't think... Like we're still, I mean, they, they'll get better. Like we see talent get better faster. That's definitely true. Like I, I like keep on harping out about this guy. I think you've used him as an example on six different occasions. But yes, the sweet Jaiswal is like, I think he's There's the no poster example. Yeah, to be honest, he's he's the poster child for how quickly you can develop through IPL within three seasons. I want to say three seasons approximately. He's mm-hmm. he's come to a level where he's international. He's he should be picked internationally. 
And so there's there's obviously a connection there with him and Rajasthan, right? But what happens if Rajasthan decide they don't want to keep him or they don't they can't keep him, and suddenly he's now applying his trade for Mumbai or Kolkata or Bangalore? Like, does it lose that little bit of like you know that tribalism? Like, because there's obviously a connection there. He's a local kid. He kind of like the Rajasthan fans have seen this kid progress to becoming becoming this player and suddenly he's like oh he's gone now sorry we couldn't do much about it like carry on i think in lieu of these franchises having their own sort of academies or something yes this is the only way you can have those sort of local connections i mean unless your name is dhoni and you play for chennai for so long that they basically elevate you to the level of (laughs) thala but yeah that's basically it there's no other way you can build associations or oneness with players and fans. I'm hesitant to propose 10-year contracts or five-year contracts in the IPL <laughs> because I know at the same time, purely from like a, like compared to other competitions around the world, the cricket from a, like a monetary paying players has never reached this level. And by, by forcing five-year contracts and 10-year contracts and things like that, or pushing that kind of stuff without it happening naturally in the game or in the in in the competition, I think you're going to limit the earning potential of a lot of players. Yeah, I think you'd limit earning potential, but also you'd have like this, you know, you're going to have that scenario of players constantly wanting to break contracts because yeah. everyone gets fed up after a couple mm. of years. I mean, it's happening everywhere, right? Yeah, happens in football, happens in NRL players constantly like want to break contracts and don't want to you know you, you get picked by a team or you get kind of forced you know auction sold auctioned off to a team and you're like oh man i got auctioned off for five years that's not a bad thing though like if you think about where some of these sporting rivalries come from like you know players going well from figo going from barcelona yeah to <laughs> figo. so that kind of stuff does you know bring out the spite in people there's a, there's a certain level of satisfaction when you see, you know, a player that you've watched for three or four years on another team and not do well. That's a different level of satisfaction. Um, <laughs> but is it, okay. Your football season is eight to ten, eight months long, give or take, or nine months. Your NRL yeah. season is roughly the same duration. The NFL season yeah. goes from August to. I don't know, Feb, Feb, March? Yeah, January, Feb, yeah. The, the the IPL season is six weeks. How do you build associations in six weeks that, you know, if if, yeah. you, if your player leaves and plays for another club, you start hating on them? You should you should <laughs> yeah. try and uh, – that's that's the next evolution. I think you've nailed it, Shivank. It, it ha- the IPL can stand to spread their games out a little bit more and they can stand to have – they can't. Really, though, right? Can oh, they? no, no. I well, mean, like, in terms of just purely from the IPL, IPL perspective, I'm talking about the, the impact on the international game because, you know, that's, yeah. Yeah, so the ICC creates this thing called the Future Tours window wherein they dedicate which country can play as a host nation in what time throughout the year, and they do it for the next 10 years. So, for example, you cannot have a match in South Africa in the middle of June. It's just regulated that way. That's the Future Tours program. Currently, they allocate somewhere between six and seven weeks for the IPL, and it's basically written in the Future Tours program. Like, 
you cannot have any more than, I don't know, four countries playing internationals right now when the IPL is on. If you want franchise cricket to be the future, the window has to increase from six or seven weeks that it is now to a multi-month thing. And then you consciously have to make international cricket take a backseat. To it. Yeah. Well, you you could. Yeah. And maybe maybe that'll that'll give the importance back to international cricket yeah. when we actually yeah. see the international step yeah. out rather than be like, oh, another another tour. Yeah. Okay. You know, whatever. <laughs> we just finished watching like a whole tournament. Like we're fine. We've got enough cricket already. Well, uh, the 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 thing that I want to sort of come back to is the fact that you can have if if the game goes down to two formats, Test cricket and T Twenty. You can have specialist players in both formats, right? So mm-hmm. you could still have an international test cricket season that overlaps IPL because the specialist test cricketers wouldn't be playing in the IPL anyway. Yeah. And 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 that's and that 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 is a that is a really good point. Like it's it's then, you know, we spoke about this obviously on the last episode as well, is that T20 is com- completely different sport to to test cricket. Like it should actually be a different sport, but at the moment they're considered one sport that you know you can you can play in multiple. So you have like an Indian national team that plays tests and T20s. It's not like a Indian T20 team versus Indian test team. Like it's not that there's not a distinction made in that sense. So you have players who like only play test cricket or only play T20. They play all over or wherever, but you're going to get that situation where um, some of the smaller nations, and I, I guess India, maybe India, England, Australia, are probably going to be okay doing that, having that overlap of Test and T20. But what about the other nations? Because uh, I think Pakistan will be fine. Pakistan will be lacking depth. Uh, West Indies will. Uh, Bangladesh will. Sri Lanka definitely will. So then, what happens with those countries that are, that are really are lacking in those areas? Do they then, I don't know, just develop more players in the T20 area and say we're gonna? I think that's do. it. They have to because Sri Lanka is a good example. They don't have the funding at the at the country level to push cricket, and IPL and T20 cricket is a good source of income for these players. Now, if you supplement that correctly and if you generate enough of a talent pool, over time you may be able to start pushing back into test cricket in a meaningful level. The same is true for Bangladesh. Um, Pakistan, probably not so much. I think I think eventually if they get their, lack of a better term, shit in order, then it should end up at a point that rivals India. Um, but, uh, you know, Afghanistan is a great example of the counter-argument th- to this where they've developed players focused on the T20 area and they now have a pretty, I'd say, competitive T20 team. That's what we're missing out on if we don't focus on T20 cricket at the, uh, at the franchise level. We, we don't give these countries that don't have a lot of cricketers um, – the earning potential to be able to survive long-term and be successful over a longer period of time. Do you feel, given the amount of money that's available in franchise cricket, what you'll then see is all the top talent moving on to T20 cricket and then you have the the the, the next band down basically playing test cricket because 
you know, they couldn't make it into franchise. Test cricket is just for under 19s now. <laughs> Something like that, because love it or hate it, franchise cricket is where the money is. It's a toss of the coin because there's still tribal. That the biggest tribalism in cricket is purest. Yeah, exactly. It's a traditional and test cricket yeah, as well. It's traditional. It's the purest form of cricket, and there is real tribalism, uh, and that's obvious mm. even today when we're watching the Ashes. The England crowd were basically clapping every single ball, whether it was a block. As long as it wasn't a wicket, they were clapping it. Yeah, <laughs> I think. Shivank's in real danger of invoking the spirit of the day. <laughs> <laughs> and we're, while we're speaking about spirit of the game, I think that's a great point to to end today's discussion and episode on. Thank you for joining us. We've loved your thoughts and opinions from Kevin and Shivank. I hope you've enjoyed listening to us. Um, as always, you can get Sports Nerdy with the team on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at the Backpass Pod. We'll be back with uh, th- we'll be back with another few different segments on the Backpass, and that actually concludes our Backpass Explains season. Um, we'll be coming up with a few different a few different approaches for the show uh, next time. So tune in. Thank you.